This is On The Way Out. I'm Brandi Truesdale. And I'm Sarah Hester. And today we're going to talk about feminism. We're here to empower women to boldly live lives that glorify the Lord. We're back. We back. I'm so excited. It's so good to be back on the mics. I was just thinking last night that we, when we ended the last episode, I really thought we were coming back like the next week. Right. And we've and now taken, it's been, it was like four weeks. Yeah, off. It, was, it was about four weeks. Four off. weeks since we've seen each other, probably. Yeah. Here in this room. Yeah. In this room. We've seen each other. Right. Yeah. Um. So this is, feels crazy. Back in the saddle back. again. <laughs> <I'm> back. <laughs> back. There we go. I think, yeah, I don't think that was the right song. No, anyway, that's cool. It's probably another song. That's though. cool. Um, so I have a would you rather. Okay, I have one for you too. Sweet. Would you rather? Um, that's kind of a lame one. Okay, have really well. I have really long arms or really long legs. Legs. I mean, Why? my arms are normal size, right? If I right. choose. Yeah. Yeah. So they would be normal Because size. I feel like you could pull off long legs. <laughs> yeah. Even though it would be hard to find pants and stuff. Right. You could pull that off. But if my arms, like, drape past my knees. Yeah, that would be It would be, be very obvious. I could, like, hide the fact that I had long legs. Well, you would be way. taller than everybody, though. I don't care. You'd be like. <laughs> <laughs> I already am taller Maybe than a lot of people. you could make a career with it, though. You know exactly. what I mean? You could be a basketball player. Yeah. You'd be or, pulling in those Benjamins. Or, I don't know. I was thinking of other things, but I don't know. Yeah. It'd be great. <laughs> I was going to say I could work at the border. At the border? Look over. Oh. <laughs> With your long legs. Turn around. Turn around. <laughs> Go back. <clears throat> Do not make this treacherous journey. You don't want to. Oh, man. We're worse off than you think. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what? Was this Sarah's husband? <laughs> Hello. Yeah, it's okay. Say hey to the peeps. Hello. <laughs> Goodbye. Okay, bye. Goodbye. Um, Sweet. Sarah left her phone at home, so now she's... Anyway, <clears throat> my would you rather, are you ready or do you need yep. a minute? Okay. Give it to me. Would you rather only wear like bold colors and bold patterns for the rest of your life? Maybe you have like one pair of black leggings. But everything else is colored and patterned. Or you only wear like neutrals, like beiges and browns for the rest of your life. Hmm. No florals. Oh, that's a tough one. I'd have to say bright. I'd have mm-hmm. to say bright. I think so too. Because after a while, you would be like, this right, is so, you'd be so sad. Sad yeah. beige. Sad human. beige. <laughs> Sad beige clothes. Sad beige. For sad beige children. I'm not good with the Dutch accent. <laughs> or Me either. Me either. That was not impressive. Hers. Mm, hers. The Hertz. Word, hers. Or, I don't know. Anyway. If you don't know what we're referencing, it's a um, it's a pretty funny Instagram yeah, account is. where she pokes fun at the the very muted color I was that aesthetic. mom for like a minute where oh, I yeah. thought... I mean, I'm drawn to it, but I think that here's the thing. there are some items, yeah, like larger items where I'm like, I'm going to get black, right? Or like it's yeah. if, like I, a, if I if I something I can't pack away, sure, I'm going to try, yeah. But 
this is a trend that irritates <laughs> the bejesus out of me is the white bounty houses that people are having at their kids' birthday parties. I don't think I've even seen that. You haven't? I'm, I don't I'm think sure so. our listeners have seen that. Probably so. I'm um, sure I will now. Probably on Instagram. I, it's a lot of like Instagram influencers that throw their kids their birthday party and they have to like yeah. put it all out there. Mm-hmm. And they buy a white bounty house. And I'm like, get your kid the princess castle. Right. It's their birthday. Right. What's wrong with you? I know. Offer your photo op. Right, to match your aesthetic. I think, too, I'm like, what's your kid going to think when they grow up and they're like, yeah, my mom never let me have anything because it wasn't within her color palette. Also, you know? yeah, that's true. Like, but also babies, babies need colors. Like, they need, like, bright, white, black, red, mm-hmm. bold colors. That's, like, a part of their distinct, development. Distinguish. I would love to see a research study done on babies and see if their brains are underdeveloped if their mom and dad's only mm-hmm. chose white and beige for everything that they owned that's super interesting that would be interesting you know but but i'm I'm also a meet in the middle kind of girl like i'm not the mom yeah. who's gonna let her kids wear camo pants and a mm-hmm. spider-man shirt to public yeah and that's okay if you are but i'm not <laughs> right you're like that's just not me but you can have a Spider-Man comforter. I think that you're... That's cool with me. Yeah. I think your kids match your aesthetic I think well. they do, too. I think you... Uh, yeah. I think they kind of fit with them. You know what's interesting? While having their own style. Fox picks all of his clothes out. Like, he goes to the store and buys those clothes. Mm, they're cute. He picks those shoes. He has like, a good style. He has such a good style. He really like, does. He's Jake. He's got Jake's style. Yeah. Yeah. Jake's got a good style, too. It's just so cute. And Milo picks the most insane things. Yeah. I, he's the one I'm going to have to like, mm, let's do this one instead. Mm-hmm. He's the Let one who needs options. You. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I love that. that you want to choose for yourself, but like, maybe like, let's choose between <laughs> these two things. Let me also, yeah, that's, you know, something Eva for sure has her own opinion on clothing. Um, like very opinionated on her clothing. So I've had to, I, I, I want that. her i want her to have her own she's style cool. but i also want just to so what i tell her is you know i'm here to direct your style so that it's something that's feminine and it's something that you know, know. honors your body i always think she looks cute but maybe it's because of thank you, you. i appreciate that she's she's very sporty she's drawn to like yes. sporty the sporty I mean, look that's cool so. you have three yeah. girls you're bound to have one you're if you have one more girl one. you could have the spice girls <gasps> they well She's yeah. sporty spice. Sporty spice. What's Ellie? I don't know. She's not baby spice. She's like that spunky one. Probably. Which I don't even know that one. You don't? Sporty mm-hmm. spice, baby spice. I know spice, that it all ends in spice, but that's baby, all I know. Sporty baby. Posh? Crazy and posh. Wow. Crazy. I think it's that's crazy. That's your name. Wow. That would be intense. I think Ellie's crazy spice. <laughs> <laughs> she's so funny. Right now. Oh my goodness. Baby spice. She has really come into herself and she is owning it. I love it. Proudly. I love Ellie. I know. Brandy. <laughs> <laughs> I saw a meme the other day that uh, the first picture was like, uh, who you, who you thought your daughter was going to be, and it was yeah. a picture of Belle, and then yeah. the one underneath it was like who your daughter actually is, and it was a picture of Stitch. And was, For was, sure, I very much relate. No, I love to it. That. So well, yeah, she's more of a so Lilo. Fun. It's very sh- yes, she is a Lilo, <laughs> and yeah. I love it. I can see that. Yeah, a little Lilo. I'm excited Not to see cutie. who Emma becomes. I know she I know. already She's seems very be. gentle. She does. I yeah. think they've. I don't want to jinx it though. I don't know. 
I don't know. Yeah, who knows? They, who knows? they hit two, and you're like... Yeah, and you're like, who even are you? <laughs> like, that was... Fox changed it, too. Milo, though, like, mm-hmm. from the moment he opened his mouth, I was like, you crazy. Yeah. And he still is. <laughs> <laughs> He's never changed. In the best way. Yeah. Um, Ellie, I, re- I mean, I really thought she was going to be, like, the very gentle, very laid back, very shy. Yeah. Um, and in some ways, she is. And in other ways, like, she just is... I don't know. Her little she's personality is so fun. She is. But she's, she's just very spunky. She's very she's tender. Just, um, yeah, she's really sweet, but she's also very um, proud of herself. Confident. As, yes, yeah, confident. she's very confident. Very confident. She, um, it's so funny because she just confesses all day long. Like, this is a new Scary thing. Scary spice. Scary spice. Not crazy. I don't know. She, um, she was telling me the other day. I mean, it was all day. Mom, I said whatever. Will you forgive me? mom i said and it was just all day long she was just like yeah, confessing. She's, really sweet. she's like she has a very tender little conscience but i have to correct myself there are five spice girls wow. sorry ginger spice ginger i don't think I you'll do ever have that one probably not <laughs> probs not sorry um okay well well we're doing get into the meat of feminism, feminism. season two Mm. started off with a bang with the episode we've wanted to do since we <laughs> I know. talked about I starting this yeah, podcast i think the first thing that we talked about was like let's do feminism and then we just kept pushing it off because it was going to be such a huge well i also think undertaking i was not last season i was like we did i did prepare a lot mm-hmm. but this was like you're gonna have to research and you're gonna have to like read stuff and yeah. i just was never in the right base mm-hmm. to be like researching things yeah so here we are here we are but we've been talking about recording for like two weeks yeah but we haven't trying to get been able to out. get the equipment so mm-hmm. we've had more time to prepare for this one That's so right. we're ready to go That's so right. we're gonna do this in multiple parts maybe two maybe three just depending yeah but we're gonna start talking we're gonna break this up into what it is which is four waves mm-hmm. and talk about each wave and then we're going to go from there. Yep. So let's talk about it. First wave. Let's talk about it. Okay. So when like when you were growing up, what did you how were you introduced to feminism and what were you told that it was? Well, I'm a child of the 90s. Mm-hmm. So definitely third wave feminism. Yeah. Um I didn't really honestly, I would say it was recently that I was introduced to the fact that it was four waves. Mm. Because I never looked at what happened in like the 1800s as feminism mm-hmm. i feel like that term was definitely coined later yeah um so feminism to me growing up i would have thought was uh just women being whatever men could do like be mm-hmm. and do um having being able to be as sexual as you want mm-hmm. or whatever, having um, freedom in that sexuality. Right. Um, that's what I would have thought for feminism. Yeah. Mostly. Yeah. I, I um, think the same. My, I can remember, you know, growing up and being taught, like, feminism is not good. It's not something that yeah. is anything that we want a part of, that kind of thing. Um, and I think really, like, in my flesh, wanting to just rebel, rebel against, against it, yeah, yeah, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm about it. I want to, I mean, there's, you know, 
other stuff that I was like, yeah, I could see the appeal of this, I guess. Um, yeah. And also just being told that feminism is the belief that men and women are equal. Yeah. Like, that's what I was told. And I, I was like, I oh, of course. My parents never talked about feminism. So yeah. everything I learned was from school. Yeah. I remember this really big idea that I got, I guess, in high school was this idea that um, women are trying to like women are provocative obviously there were other more harsh terms used Mm -hmm. if they have this many amount of partners or whatever and then it's Mm -hmm. like it's cool for men and like all of these women trying to break that mold that was like a big deal not something i ever sought to attain right but i remember that being and i remember still like talking to friends and thinking to myself never saying it out loud but like no way like it is provocative right like that is wrong (laughs) like it's also gross right why would you want to yes but my friend, like having friends that like literally sought to attain mm, yeah. that man-like lifestyle, mm. yeah, gross. So gross, glad I though. didn't fall into that. Yeah. So I looked up, I like Googled what's feminism, and this is what I found. So it says <laughs> it's defined as the belief in advocacy of the political, economic, and social equality of the sexes, expressed especially through organized activity on behalf of women's rights and interests. Um, so, yeah, that was one thing. Um, also looking at what are some feminist values, respecting individual informed choices and believing that there shouldn't be a double standard in judging a person, a person. Um, so a huge thing within feminism is sexual autonomy. So Mm -hmm. basically, like you were saying, um, if a man can have sex with whoever whenever and he has no quote-unquote consequences meaning a child women have to also be able to have the same option in order to be equal yeah so that's why the birth control pill and abortion Mm -hmm. are the two pillars of feminism right because without those two things women cannot be equal to men so Maybe now we could throw in a third pillar of just changing your gender altogether and hormone yeah. disruptors. Yeah. Yeah. So I think what is crazy, um, like you just mentioned, is that at this point in history, feminism is several hundred years old. Mm. Um, and it really started around 1759. So when we're going to start off with the first wave, like Brandy said. Um, I'm going to kind of set the scene here for us. There's a lot of history that we need to just lay the foundation for uh, so that we can understand how we got to where we are now. And also, I think this is just interesting history. So I hope that you guys do as well. Um, So in 1759, there was a woman named Mary Wollstonecraft. And this is kind of where the earliest hints of feminism came from. She... Uh, was a very radical thinker mm-hmm. in her time. Um, and she was known for her revolutionary and political ideas. She wrote a, I guess, a pamphlet in uh, 1790 yeah. called A Vindication of the Rights of Men. And then in 1792, she wrote A Vindication of the Rights of Women. And so um, on one of the websites I looked up, just in looking at feminist history, they were 
saying that this work is really referred to as the seed of the feminist movement. So this is like where it all began. Um, she, she advocated for equal opportunities for women in education and work and politics. Um, so just a little background on her and just who she was. She uh, had a child with an illegitimate, she had an illegitimate child with a man Um after i guess she had that child that person refused to take her back um she had several suicide attempts she eventually met another man who was also a radical in his thinking and philosophy his name is william godwin so i think it's funny both of them rejected the idea of marriage um but they decided to kind of go against what they believed and got married so that their child would have rights that that it would be a legitimate child Mm -hmm. um but they still lived in separate houses like right next door to each other so they could keep their independence i didn't know that part of the story yeah interesting so sadly mary died uh, a week after giving birth in 1797 um, just from complications of that birth and her child's name uh she was named after her mother it was mary um so mary was given a an impressive uh, education though it was very radical for its time so her father who rejected traditional sexual norms encouraged her to pursue the same lifestyle and so at 16 mary um, took a lover who was a married poet by the mm-hmm. name of percy shelley yeah so shelley was married at the time like i just said and Mm -hmm. his wife was pregnant with their second child Mm. so percy shelley and mary uh leave his wife at home in england they travel together to switzerland mary actually becomes pregnant um but loses the baby and then shortly after she became pregnant again and this baby survived so mary and percy traveled back to switzerland where they spent the summer um with a a whole lot of artists um different people who thought like them kind of more more radical folks and so uh, one of them was lord byron that they spent the summer with so during that summer a volcano erupted in chile so the sky was unnaturally darkened by ash so they were all trapped inside because of the the bad conditions outside so it was then that Mary began writing Frankenstein. So, sadly, okay. yeah, so Mary Shelley, writer of Frankenstein, <coughs> sadly, during this time, <coughs> Percy Shelley's wife killed herself um, mm-hmm. a short three weeks later, and uh, he and Mary were wed three weeks later after that. So, I mean, gosh, I'm just, this, I just think that's such a sad story. That's really cause, sad. Because I think, too, you know, here you step outside of the bounds of what is good and beautiful and true, yep. what God has given us, mm. and you just, it's just carnage. It's just completely yeah. wrecked. It's destruction. So, Yikes. anyway, so Mary was actually 18 when she wrote Frankenstein, um, and by the time she had had two kids. Which is pretty crazy. That is crazy. Yeah. Um, So that was going on over in England, uh, over, well, over in Europe. So 
a lot of times Europe will precede our culture. Um, we can kind of look to them and see where we're headed mm-hmm. uh, just because they're, they're a little bit ahead of us, unfortunately, mm-hmm. like in, not in a good way, um, culturally, morally. So here in the States in 1820, this is two years after Mary Shelley's Frankenstein was published, Susan B. Anthony was born. So uh, Rebecca Merkel, in her book, Even Exile, which I know that I have referenced in the past on other episodes, she says that if Wollstonecraft was a lone early tremor, Anthony was one of those who helped usher in the earthquake in earnest. So she was very devoted to both the women's suffrage, which is obviously the right to vote, um, and in the temperance movement. So this is something that was, I thought was super interesting is that the people who were fighting for women's rights to vote were also fighting to criminalize alcohol. Mm-hmm. Um, I just thought that was so interesting. Like because why, of their husbands. Yeah, because of their husbands <laughs> being drunks, which that's terrible. I mean, your husband should not be a drunk. Like, yeah. That is heartbreaking and, and sad to see. So, you know, on one hand, I'm like, I don't, I can empathize with you that yeah. that would be very hard. The other thing, too, is that at this point, um, it wasn't that women could not vote. It was that women, like, that the head of the house, the man, went and voted for the family. Mm-hmm. So it's not that she didn't have a voice. It was that her husband went and spoke for their family. Right. Which I thought was interesting also. Um, I always think of the song from Mary Poppins, Sister Suffragette. Do you know that one? No. Oh, man. You should check that one out. Anyway. Um, yeah. So, I think everybody knows Susan B. Anthony's name. Um, but lesser known is Elizabeth Cady Stanton. Yes. So, she was... Um, she actually was like the, the brain behind the operation. Mm-hmm. So Elizabeth Cady Stanton, though, had seven kids at home. So she could not uh, go out mm-hmm. in the same way that Susan B. Anthony could. So Stanton was involved in organizing the first ever women's, right, women's rights convention. Um, and so Susan B. Anthony and Stanton grew very close. Um Anthony actually lived with her like for a long period of time. And so the two of them would get together and uh, like I said, Elizabeth would write what Susan would say. So since Anthony had the freedom to travel, she's the one who did most of the legwork in mobilizing the feminist movement. Um, But it was Stanton who was writing everything. She was the intellect behind it. Mm. So um. So a lot of what Susan B. Anthony did could actually be attributed to Elizabeth Cady Stanton. Um, excuse me. She said, there's a quote in here that I thought was interesting. She said, I forged, so uh, Stanton said of herself, I forged the thunderbolts and then she fired them. So that just gives you kind of a picture of what their partnership looked like and how they worked together. So something that this... Um, these this group did that was super great that we could look at and say wow that's really impressive and that was a good thing was that they were really key in abolishing abortion not (laughs) abolishing slavery um so it was at that time that they were working on abolishing slavery 
um, these ladies got around and got like I think it was four hundred thousand signatures for their petition, which is super impressive considering you know they had no internet or email or anything like that. So a lot of it was just like the legwork of everything. Um, so these ladies also, um, would agree with us that pornography is wrong. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, they also thought that, well, a lot of everything that they were trying to do was to fix their husbands. Yeah. Like their husband, they felt like their husbands were failing at home. So they yeah. were just trying to like pick up the slack. Right. Yeah. And, and too, you know, they're fighting for equality in opportunities for being educated which is fine like i think women should be educated obviously um you know so there i think there are facets of this movement that we could agree with but i think it's also super important to know that this is the ground that the seeds of feminism are being planted in and then you can look now and see what kind of crop that it's bringing in Mm -hmm. you know what i mean Mm -hmm. um so yeah, so this this movement, I do think, continued to march on past the women who began it. So I think it would just be super <laughs> interesting to, to, you know, get Elizabeth Cady Stanton here and, and say, what do you think about the feminist movement <clears throat> now? You know, what do you think about women's equality now? What, mm-hmm. what are your, what's your opinion, you know, on mm-hmm. on where this has led? Because, I mean, everything that we have now can be trace back to to that you know um i don't know i think it's uh a really good thing for us to to look at um and to say what i'm doing now even though even though there's maybe not a clear no on this thing is this wise is this what is this going to produce later and obviously you know i don't think that they had any idea of where it was going to go but Mm -hmm. um yeah i mean i think it's just good for us to to stop and pause and and think "Hmm, what's this going to lead to possibly so um the earliest feminists actually did call abortion a disgusting and degrading crime so kudos to them um but like i said this movement continued to march on um when you're talking about equality for women Mm-hmm. And like we said, you know, just a little bit ago, if you only, if the only way that women can be equal to men is to have like a free love idea without any consequences like men, you have to have something that separates a woman's biology from sex. Mm. You know? So um, enter <laughs> Margaret Sanger. Yes. Uh, so she believed that women should have absolute control over their fertility. Uh, Margaret Sanger did. Margaret Sanger was a wicked Super woman. Super evil. Um, there's nothing about her that we should celebrate Literally or look to at all. Hated humans. Honestly, uh, yeah. not well, just she babies. Was, she like hated human beings. Yeah. So not this was like only, her way of murdering millions of people. Well, I think she, I. it's amazing you know you look at where are Planned Parenthood's located in minority neighborhoods yeah um Margaret Sanger was a eugenicist Mm -hmm. um she especially hated black people Mm -hmm. 
Um, she wanted to reduce the number of black people, which she has succeeded. And I mean, it's great. I think yeah. half of all black babies are aborted. Half. Wow. You're kidding me. Mm-mm. No, that's real. So we are 61 million deep in babies currently. Um, I mean, she's just a wicked, wicked woman. So she... She's in hell. She opened the first abortion clinic in 1916 um she so her really big thing was i think she even taught she worked super hard to get birth control accessible to women in america uh she was an atheist she was raised by an atheist Mm. um she was a socialist she uh like we said already she advocated for eugenics um she wanted forced sterilization of the quote-unquote unfit yeah so um what is is unfit yeah exactly unfit would be like unfit mentally or unfit physically um probably well i think unfit for her would be anyone who was less than desirable so minorities people with any sort of handicap um okay yeah i she was i think she was like the og nazi yeah so and which is interesting because about the same time she was you know coming into action what germany was happening as well so she was uh right there so anyway um it's so interesting i I listened to a biography on her one time and they were talking about how i want to say she was in new york she was in in greenwich village um and that's where a lot of people who again were just uh different thinkers of their day would be and and congregate and talk and all that kind of stuff and she wanted to have political power and somebody came up to her somebody who was in power told her you know i think you could do it i think you could have a lot of political power but you have to tone it down some or nobody is gonna vote for you um or no one's gonna listen to you type of thing so that's what we're dealing with we're dealing with someone who is unhinged honestly Mm -hmm. so um anyway she opened her her first abortion clinic in 1916 she wanted uh safe abortions for women um instead of back alley abortions okay which i'm like all abortions are 100 percent deadly to at least one of them right i mean Mm -hmm. so um yeah what is a safe abortion anyway (laughs) um so then obviously you know her her whole thing of planned parenthood comes out uh and just takes off so it's so interesting it's so interesting to me to hear feminists talk about margaret singer and and sing her praises and just talk about all the amazing things that she has done but and then they like they put in at the very end she was a little bit of a eugenicist but she still did a lot of good stuff and i'm like aren't you the people who are at Black Lives Matter? Yeah, Valley? exactly. I don't understand. Exactly. <laughs> um, I don't know how you hold right. these two like opposing thoughts, but anyway, they do. So um, that is a lot of what we're looking at when we look at the first wave. Um, you know, I think a, a lot of people look at it and say, you know, kind of have that that picture of the mom from Mary Poppins mm-hmm. in their mind of of a lady who is fighting for women to have a voice and they're fighting for, you know, equal education opportunities. They're fighting for, um, criminalization of alcohol or they're fighting for, um, 
abolition of slavery. And you, I mean, you can look at it and say there are some things that we would agree with, but there's mm-hmm. a whole lot more that we would not agree with. Right. And there's a whole lot more that they paved the way for in, you know, even in the second wave. So, mm-hmm. um, also, there's nothing that they advocate for that we don't have in scripture. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's there's <clears throat> nothing that... This is the other thing. I'm not a feminist because I don't need feminism. Mm-hmm. I don't need feminism to know that God loves and cares about women and that I am equal right. in value to a man. Right. Like, I have no issue with that. Right. And I'm not saying there, there were not genuine, you know, oppressions, that there aren't genuine abuses that happen. I'm not saying that. But... Um, I don't need this framework that is steeped and rooted in atheism and agnosticism and socialism to make the world a better place for right. women. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So that is the first wave. Okay. <laughs> that was a lot. That was a lot. <laughs> I mean, I guess it was the beginning of everything. Yeah. It's just a lot of history, I think, to lay the foundation. Okay. Well... Let's get into the second wave. Second wave. Okay. Um, I feel like I'm not going to be as fluid with my words like Sarah was. Um, So the second wave was really coined by a book called The Feminine Mystique, which was... All right. I read... I want to just make sure I'm reading everything. (laughs) I'm sorry. The Feminine Mystique was really... um, so we're coming into the 1960s in the second wave, like 1963 or so. Um, and so we're coming out of the 50s, and we all know, like, the 50s was very housewife aesthetic, skirts. Mm-hmm. Women stayed home with their children. They had food on the table. Like, they did. That was that was the thing. And so the feminine mystique was all about empowering women to get out of the home get a higher education, get involved in politics, um, ha- have a career. Um, all of those things is what the feminine mystique encouraged. Mm-hmm. So that book really set off the second wave of feminism. So we're coming um, after, I think yeah, it was after this book. Mm-hmm. Is when we go to World War Two, or was it before? Yeah, um, that, right the before. book came after World War Two. Okay, so at this, around the same time, World War Two is happening, and men are leaving. So women are starting to go into roles that men would typically be in mm-hmm. to just make sure that the economy keeps moving. Right. Um, so a lot of women were out now doing two jobs because they're working their regular they're working right. the job of the man and they were also working the job that would typically be theirs at home um which just made a lot of women super resentful and i mean i was to like just reading literally what you wrote but even no, today not- women resent the fact that they have to go out of their homes and work and return home and do things mm-hmm I'm just like sidebar on that. I've like yeah. seen so many videos. Like I actually saw something the other day. This like woman put out like a poll on Instagram and mm-hmm. it was like this one woman asked, should men be keep doing the housework too? 
if like a stay if you're a stay-at-home mom should your husband also be doing the housework and then she put like a poll and it was like men should be doing some of it men should be doing equal amounts men should be doing none of it Mm -hmm. and so many people put men should be doing equal amounts Hmm. and i was like that's interesting i feel so bad for your spouse (laughs) i know i know and just the whole vibe you have in your home yeah the whole yeah i think it would it yeah i i see the resentment even now yeah exactly women resent so much of men yeah which is you know it's funny because um like Ethan can come home mm-hmm. and my house looks like it threw up on itself mm-hmm. and he's just like gonna sit on the couch and oh, he's yeah. like I'm just not bothered right whereas for me Same. I'm like I've gotta I'm like, get control terrible. like I've gotta yes. I'm not gonna be able to rest until this looks at least a little bit yeah better oh 100% I think this is something that is ingrained in women and yeah. because of that and again who cares yes. if your kids match clothes you know what I mean who cares right. if your kid's hair is brushed. Right. Who cares if you eat something healthy? Like, it's, it's all women. Right. And I think it's because that's how God made us. Right. We, that is our job, is to yes. care for and But because nurture. women are like that, and then yeah. their husband comes home right. and, and they, sits on the couch, right. we're like, how dare you not start cleaning as soon yes. as you walk in the door? And they just <laughs> don't see it. They just It's just different. It just is it's different. It's just different. And that's, you know... You can handle your own marital oh, solutions sure. to that issue. And I'm but just, just to... So I'm not having to correct myself later. My husband does do some housework here and there. If I ask him, would you mind unloading the dishwasher? Right. Can you change over the laundry while I'm at work? (laughs) Yeah. He's always like, of course. Right. But there's no expectation. But he doesn't see. I'm just saying. No, he doesn't. No, exactly. They don't see. I worked from (laughs) nine to two. Yeah. When I walked in, like you said, the living room had thrown up on itself. Mm -hmm. I mean, there were toys and things where they shouldn't be. Yeah. There were so many blankets out. I guess my kids were building forts. (laughs) Yeah. And Jake was like, I was like, wow, it's a mess in here. Not like saying it to him. I was just like, woo, guys, you really just had the time of your life today. (laughs) And Jake was like, oh, I just didn't notice. Yeah. They just literally did it. Yeah. And that's okay. Exactly. And it took me five minutes to clean it up. Yeah. Right. It doesn't take that long. Why would I, why would I waste the hour-long argument Mm -hmm. over how dare you not clean up after the kids when I I could clean up in five minutes and just move on with my life. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. (laughs) So, yeah, the resentment runs deep. Mm -hmm. Um, And we're, you know, just to also point out, feminism is existing heavily in the secular world. Mm -hmm. We're approaching this as Christians and explaining why, as a Christian, it's pretty toxic and pretty wicked mm-hmm. to have a feminism type mindset as right. a Christian. It's very understandable why the secular world has a feminine feminist mindset. So just right. just so that's clear. Um, so anyway, I'm sorry. I'm trying to like read. No, it's okay. Mm, okay. So something else that was written down is so the 1950s woman you wrote like it's not it was not a very biblical one it was like the ideal but women in the 1950s were like decorative mm-hmm. um, which is not which makes sense why 
women resented that because yeah. that wasn't their that's not that's god's not, role for right. women we're not meant to be decorative we yeah. have a purpose and yeah yes maybe it's keeping your home and raising your kids right. and cooking you know having dominion over the home you live in 100 but just because like you can have dominion over that without mm-hmm. being the trophy wife yeah but the 50s for sure had that yeah a little jacked up and thought that that's the way it was supposed to do mm-hmm. um yeah because everything had been like so because of the industrial revolution and technology that had increased right like everything was just so much significantly easier and took way less time like instead of scrubbing your clothes you had a washing machine right so anyway so this is really why um betty frieden uh wrote this book because she sees she sees all the stuff that these women are doing all this like work and things yeah. but then she sees all these advertisements these advertisements that make women out to seem like this just pretty little trophy mm-hmm. of their home and it was super frustrating for her so she writes the book trying to give women a I don't know, a desire to be different, to be more, to be better, mm-hmm. to not... Don't to find f- happiness. Yes, and don't fall into your stereotypical housewife. Right. And this first book sold 1.4 million copies, which is kind of insane. Especially for, for that the 50s, time. Or I know. the 60s. 60s. This came out in the 60s. Yeah, 63. Um, which is just no- wild to me. That's yeah. so many... So women were fed up. Like yeah, they were absolutely had, done and she right. hit a chord with yeah. them. Mm-hmm. When she, she struck a chord book. for sure. Um yeah. so also I read that she it was on the New York Times bestseller list for six weeks in a row. It was like wow. number one. Yeah. <laughs> Nuts. Yeah. So anyway, and you wrote Okay, I didn't read this this part. Gloria oh, Steinem. Yeah, Gloria Steinem. I didn't see her in my research. So that she wanted to see abortion to be le- not just legalized but mm-hmm. normalized. Yeah. Okay, so this is when we're rolling in. So mm-hmm. to the third wave. Yeah, this is like seventies, seventies, eighties. The first is what we're wave seems at. to be like the longest wave. Mm-hmm. The build up. The second wave is yeah. when we're encouraging women to be even more like men mm-hmm. it's just yeah. don't try to fit a picture yeah and like you said earlier how can we do that without our twin pillars of abortion and the birth control pill pill so yeah now we're heading into the third wave which yeah. is starts in the 90s mm-hmm. um so we're at 42 minutes you want to do a second party you want to go for it um we could do we let's, can do let's you want to wrap and then we can do second part sorry that was my foot <laughs> I, think we, or I think we could cover the third wave quick yeah really quick and then do the fourth wave and our conclusions or okay. no let's do yeah we'll wrap it up okay sorry guys <laughs> so we will meet us back here for next week's conclusion of feminism yeah I'm third gonna fourth wave housekeep us a little yeah. bit so now that we're back yeah we're back <laughs> you gotta remember everything i know <laughs> if you have any questions or comments or concerns you can email us at on the way out pod at gmail.com please like and follow us or not like but please follow us on instagram at on the way out pod uh we're also on facebook we'd love for you to like us on facebook share this podcast Give us some stars or whatever you feel is necessary on Apple or Spotify. 
we're so excited to be back we and are. that's good tune in next week to part two part two what what did i always say <gasps> wrap it up i forgot to say that anyway okay we'll <laughs> see you next time <laughs> bye, bye. <laughs>